living in you and you bearing one another's burdens. And before we read the scripture, let's bow and pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for coming to us, showing yourself to us. Thank you most of all for your son, Christ, who who saves us from our sins and brings your life into us, makes us alive, puts his Holy Spirit on us, and that we may understand these things and discern these things and and grow in, in wisdom and the knowledge of you and also live as you've called us to live, live out the love and the life of Jesus Christ. And pray that uh, your word today would just uh, would strengthen our faith in you and our knowledge of you, um, that we would be open, receptive to hearing it, and your spirit would work it in our hearts uh, to make us more like your son. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, beginning to verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is, is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of God. So in these verses, we see that living by the Spirit means bearing one another's burdens. But Paul observed that we don't always do this particularly well. And I think some questions for us are, you know, well, do we ask about each other's well-being beyond the superficial? Do we, and when, when we're asked, do we share our struggles with each other or do we hide them? When we correct, do we correct with gentleness or with harshness? Paul applied the gospel of Christ to our relationships with one another. And everyone has struggles with weakness, with temptation, and with sin and suffering. And as disciples of Christ, we are called to bear one another's burdens. And we do this because Christ bears our burdens, 
And when we bear each other's burdens as he does, we demonstrate that his spirit is living in us. So we'll start with verse 25 here. And it, it, verse 25 paints the picture for us of growing in Christ together. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. And living by the Spirit points to all the ways that our spiritual life is dependent upon the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Christ that, that made us alive by His gospel. It's the Spirit that keeps us spiritually alive each day. So we are, we are alive toward Him. We're alive with Him. We're alive from Him. We're nourished by Christ through His Word. So we live by the Spirit. And since we live by the Spirit, let, let us walk by the Spirit. And this idea of walk here, the, the, the word translates um, as keep in step. And so this idea of keep in step, the picture is that of, of a person walking in a line with other people, like a soldier marching in a column down the line, and they're keeping in step with the person next to them, but all of them are keeping in step with the leader at the front of the column. The leader is setting the direction and the pace, and everyone else is following that, marching in step and in information. And of course, you, you can... Check yourself, we know, am I in step with the leader at the front? But to check yourself, you can, you can look at the person next to you and say, are, well, are we marching together? Because if we're not marching together, one of us is not in step with the leader. Or maybe both of us, neither of us might be in step with the leader. And so, okay, well, we're different. We're not marching in step, okay? Um, well, let's check again. Are, are, are the people, are, is either of us in step with the people in front of us? or behind us, around us. But of course, it very well might be that the whole group around you is out of step with the leader, and you might be the only one who's walking rightly. But how would you know? Well, you have to know the leader. You have to know the leader very well and know his direction and his pace. And here, Christ is our Leader And his pace is set for us by his spirit. And we know him, we know our leader well through the Holy Scripture and through his spirit living in us. And uh, verses 22 through 23 tell us, see if it'll go here. There we go. Uh, they tell us exactly what this direction and pace look like. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So this is the beat that you are to walk to. And these fruits here are to be genuinely in your heart and they're to be lived out in your life. Because just like that soldier, he can't just... Just think about the beat in his head. No, he, he's got to walk to that beat. He's got to move. He can't just think it. And likewise, our lives must walk by the Spirit. And as we walk by the Spirit together, we must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And the word conceit carries this idea of, of seeking praise for mundane things. Someone who thinks that, that anything they do 
deserves gold medal attention. And uh, now I think of, of my, my sons here. And so if, and when I'm tra you're training a toddler, right? It's very right and correct to praise them for anything they do well, you know? So if, if my toddlers hold an adult sippy, you know, without spilling, I very rightly praise them and say, hey, good job. You held that, that adult cup with two hands and you didn't spill it. You know, and, and, and that praise is genuine. That's not false praise. You know, but if I were to say this to an adult, does anyone want to try? <laughs> if I were to say this to an adult, right, that praise would feel a little odd. That, that may be condescending a little bit, right? Just, um, although I, will, I have to confess, there are days where just doing something simple at all without falling all over myself, I feel like I, I want some praise for that. At least I need to praise that. At least myself, from myself, I need to praise myself for doing that simple thing well because there's just some days you need that affirmation that, that you're a functional human being. <laughs> um, but back to our text. Um, so as you walk by the Spirit, don't seek recognition for being better than the other guy. Don't think, hey, I'm walking in spirit, but you're not, so I'm so good. You know? <laughs> Just, that, there's no place for that conceit. And don't make it a competition. Don't provoke the other person. Don't challenge them. You know, th there is a place, a proper place, for challenging one another to improve. But that's where you're generally seeking both people to be better, to get better. You're like iron sharpening iron. I had trouble saying that. and I kept saying, like ironing, sharpening iron. <laughs> I got it right. I said, like iron, sharpening iron. You know, so when you challenge each other in a positive way, meaning to improve each other, yes, that's a great way to challenge each other. But what this type of provoking is talking about is provoking the other person, hoping they will fail, and hoping that when they fail, you will look good. By comparison. So there's, there's no place for provoking here. And uh, I, I discovered, I, I came across some, some great dad jokes, the videos of dad jokes, and they're called Doc Talks, like TikTok, but it's Doc Talk. And it's just men sitting in chairs on a dock sharing dad jokes with just absolute, perfectly dead serious deadpan jokes. And one of them goes like this. Guy says, I recently got fired from the bank. A woman came in asking me to check her balance. So I pushed her. <laughs> and uh, now, thinking of really pushing people, though, <laughs> do you suppose when you, if, you know, it's, it's a joke, but suppose if you push someone, will that get a reaction? Will that provoke a reaction? You bet it will. And, but, so that, that's not the right type of challenging we're talking about here. To, to, challenge, to challenge someone to prove, it's not to push them over to test whether or not they will fall. <laughs> that type of provoking only creates anger and, and, uh, and, and division. So, and then he also says envy. Paul warns against envy. Do not be envious of another person's life, of their maturity or their wisdom, or their apparent lack of problems in life. Conceit, 
provocation, envy, these will turn your brother into an enemy. And that brother or sister is someone that Christ died for and that's someone that Christ lives inside of. So don't let your bad attitude turn that person into a competitor or an enemy because that is contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1, then shows, shares with us how to properly correct each other. Paul says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, and the picture here is like someone caught in a trap. They may not have been seeking trouble, but through ignorance or weakness, they became trapped. So uh, last week, or early in the week here, my family decided to go out exploring. We like to find places to hike, and so we went exploring down by the, the Minnesota Valley National Wildlife Refuge, just south of here. And we found a road just north of Jordan that we hoped would lead to a trail, some trailhead parking. And uh, we followed this road, and it was dropping down, and it just kind of cur went behind a tree and curved around and disappeared into the swamp. And we thought to ourselves, does, does this road literally just go right into the swamp? Like this... This, our exploration might be over right here. <laughs> but we followed it. Okay, let's see where it goes. We followed it, and there between the tall swamp grasses was a dry dirt road. It was bumpy and very narrow. We could, our, our, our SUV could just barely fit through it, but, but it, it went all the way through, and we found, and we found, got through, and we had a very fun hike. Um, but think about that road, and, and like, but we saw that road, and we know, hey, any time the river's high and that swamp is high, that road is underwater for certain. And we think about submerged roads. I mean, the, the general wisdom with submerged roads is you never drive through them because under that water, you cannot see if, if half that road is washed out. You, can, you can't tell. You can't see that through the water. So if you drive into that road, you don't know, you, your vehicle will get stuck. And when your vehicle is stuck in the water there, very likely you are trapped there too because you can't get out. You can't get out of, out of the water, out of the current. And that is kind of a picture of this person trapped in their transgression. They haven't necessarily rejected Christ. They, you know, they haven't openly, deliberately rejected Christ. They may not have actually been knowingly looking for trouble. But they thought they could do something that they really couldn't. And they, and they got caught up in the currents and it led them into something and led them into transgression and now they're, they're trapped in that transgression and they don't know how to get out of those currents. And Galatians 5, 19 through 21, tells us clearly what some of these transgressions are. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, Divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the person caught up in these things is out of step with the Spirit of God and in danger of leaving Him completely. And Galatians 6 1 says, You who are spiritual should restore Him in a spirit of gentleness. And the spiritual ones here means those who are mature in their walk with Christ, those who have long experience being guided by God's Word and by God's Holy Spirit, and who by this know how to keep in step with His Spirit. And by this they know how to help others stay in step with the Spirit of God. Those who, even if everyone around them is out of step with the Spirit of God, they can stay in step. And the people, those who, whose maturity is such that they can, they can take those new recruits who are walking all over the place, like trying to herd cats and, or toddlers, <laughs> and they can get them in step with the Spirit. That is the, the spiritual ones here. So these ones should restore the one caught up in a transgression. But they should do it in a spirit of gentleness. So they should not be like a Roman, the Roman soldier who takes his club and strikes the legs of the slaves until they get back in line. That is not what they should be like. That is contrary to the Spirit of Christ. That would only crush the fruit of the Spirit trying to grow in that person and would actually pull the other person right into the mud with him. And I'm sure most of you have probably seen either real vehicle rescue option, vehicle rescue operations, <laughs> or you've seen videos where they're they're rescuing the vehicle out of the the flooded river or the flooded road or out of the flooded swamp. And and every time I see those, I mean, you have to acknowledge the the skill it takes to get the people out of there or get the vehicle out of there. And if we think of, of our example earlier of the swampy road and ima- imagine a vehicle stuck down in there and, and the people doing the rescue, their vehicle has to stay on solid ground. They can't go down into the swamp with them or they will get stuck there too and they know just have another vehicle and a, whole more, and a bunch more people stuck in the swamp too. And now, if you've seen the videos, you know, you know usually someone will go out. They'll float on something, they'll, they'll, uh, but a qualified diver, rescue swimmer, someone will maybe float out to them. But they'll always have a cable. They'll stay tethered to the rescue vehicle. And they'll get out there and maybe try to hook up a cable or something to the vehicle that they're trying to rescue. But if you've watched those, like it takes skill to hook those cables just right to the vehicle that's stuck, and, when the, and the rescue vehicle, it takes skill to pull on that just in the right ways to get that vehicle unstuck, to pop it up out of the mud and the swamp, and then to get it so that it will follow you out of there and back onto solid ground. It takes skill, and it takes patience. And there's this great urgency to get them out of there, but even with that urgency, 
the rescuers know that they have to have the self-control and the discipline to be patient and do it right. Because if you rush it and do it wrong, you risk losing everyone. And likewise, we, in our, in our teaching, in our instruction, in our correction, and especially when we are, if we are going out to restore someone, to correct someone, we need to have the patience to do it right, to do it with gentleness and care. And, and that doesn't mean do it perfectly because none of us has perfect knowledge of this, but you do it to the best of your knowledge that you've been given. But we must correct. We cannot abandon a fellow believer who's, who's, who's trapped in sin, trapped in a transgression. We can't abandon them any more than those rescue vehicles can abandon the person stranded in the flood. But as we correct, the verses also tell us we, we must guard our own hearts. Not, not just against whatever tempted them, but we must guard our own hearts against pride and arrogance, thinking that we're better, or we will get sucked into a, a different trap of our own, and the result will be the same, that we will be out of step with the Spirit ourselves. And this is why verses 3 and 4 Warn us, and they say, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So if you think you are on solid ground when you really aren't, you are deceiving yourself. You're, You're like that guy marching in the group who is certain that he is the only one marching correctly and everyone else in the whole column must be wrong. But when in reality, it is him who is wrong. And have you ever done that? Have you ever been so sure that you were right that you went around correcting everyone else, pointing out how they're wrong, only to learn afterward, after the fact and be shown and proven you were wrong? I, I've been that person on several occasions where I've had to go back and eat my words and say, I I was wrong. I was wrong to correct you. I had it wrong. And so the, the point is this. Don't boast in how many people you've corrected. Even though we have a calling to rescue and correct don't ever boast in how many people you've corrected because on the day of judgment God is not going to ask you, well, hey, so how many people did you straighten out? He's not going to ask you that. The only thing that's going to matter on the day of judgment is, did you have Jesus? Do you have the Savior? Does he live in you? Have you received his forgiveness? Is his new spiritual life in you? And that's the load that you must bear. That's talked about in verse 5. Each must bear his own load. Talking about each must believe for himself and be trusted in Jesus for himself. Because either you are carrying your, your burden of guilt and shame by your own effort and your own works, or you're bearing the work of Christ in you. But Christ promises that his load is easy and his burden is light. So test yourself, test your heart, test your own works against God's word. Are the fruits of the Spirit growing in you? 
And the test is not, are they fully mature, perfect, you know, fully fruit, but are they growing? And the test is not, are they better than the person next to you? Do you have more fruit than them? That is not the test. The test is, are they growing in you? Are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit more than you were before? Tested against God's Word and tested against yourself. Are you trusting in Christ as your Savior and not in your own works? Do you see the fruits of the Spirit growing in you? Are you growing in the knowledge of Christ and in your understanding of His Word? If so, then you can boast in your own work. Not in your own works, but in the work of God in you. And then you can know you are on solid ground. And you can restore the lost person then out of love for them. And part of this fruit of the Spirit that's to be seen in you is bearing one another's burdens. Verse 1. If we are walking in step with the Spirit of God, then we will bear one another's burdens. And this means bearing with each other in all kinds and types of burdens. Because look around you. You can look, look behind you, look next to you, look all around you. Everyone around you is bearing some kind of burden. It might be weakness in the body or weakness in the spirit. It might be ignorance or, or just inexperience. It might be ignorance of, of God's word and how it applies to their life. So they just keep getting in, in troubles they couldn't foresee. It could be that someone's living in an unhealthy environment. And I don't just mean bad air. I mean that they live in a climate of fear and anger or hatred. And it, it wears out the soul when the whole environment of your home or your job or your school is hostile to you. That wears away at your soul. So people are burdened by many things, by grief, by loss and sorrow, by oppression, by affliction and by suffering, and many things. And if we use our, our marching picture, marching in step here, sharing your burden then means to, to literally take some of that load off of their back and put it on your own back. And now, now sometimes we can do that literally, right? We can help someone carry their literal loads. Um, sometimes it means other just practical things, just making phone calls and, or helping with forms for someone who is hurting and just can't handle administration right now. Or, or it might mean just being with someone in their, their grieving and being with someone in their loss, being present with them, sharing their emotions. The Bible says weep with those who weep, sitting with them. And but not all of us have every one of these gifts to bear every type of load. Um, but... To do this, to, to bear each other's burdens, we have to actually be present with each other, be there for each other. We have to really connect with each other, learn each other's burdens, and then seek their welfare and love. And when we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. And this law is Christ's instruction that you love your neighbor as yourself and that no greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
So it's a love that genuinely seeks the other's welfare. And when we love each other this way, we fill up the love of Christ. We make it full, and the fruit of the Spirit becomes ripe among us. Now, how is this possible? How can we do this? How can we bear each other's burdens? Only by the gospel. Only by the Spirit of Christ in us. Because Christ bore our burdens on the cross and gave himself for us so that we might have eternal life. And the clue to this comes in verse 6. This verse, if you look at verse 6 there, is not referring to paying your pastor's salary. Although it's very easy to think that that's what it's, it's referring to. Uh, but a different translation, you'll, you'll see they're very close, but this uh, slightly different translation gives a different emphasis. He says, Moreover, let him who is being instructed in the word be partaker with the one instructing him in all good things. And so in the context of, of this chapter of Galatians, this this translation here seems clear and seems more, to make more sense because Paul is not adding one more burden that you have to bear or share in. He is talking about where you get life from so that you can bear each other's burdens because the teacher of the word is sharing in all good things. He's sharing the good things of the gospel of Christ. He's sharing the good news of Christ, which is your spiritual life, your spiritual nourishment. And so your growth in the Spirit is from the Word, the Word of Christ. Christ died on the cross for your sins. He took your burdens upon Himself. He was gentle with you. He came to us in humility. He did not come as a Lord. He came as a servant of all. And He showed mercy to everyone He met. And His death took away your guilt and punishment, and for his sake your sins are forgiven. And he was raised from the dead to new immortal life, and he shares that eternal life with all who believe in him. He promises you every spiritual blessing in heaven, and he gives you his Holy Spirit to produce in you the nature of that eternal life. And this life is inside of all who believe in him. And that's, this life is producing inside of you the fruits of the Spirit. So these are, are the good things shared with you by the teacher of the word. And I'm hoping, I hope that that is what I always strive to do up here, is to feed you the good things of Christ from his word so that your spirit, your spiritual life is nourished from him. But the question is, will you receive them? Will you share in them? And that is why Paul wrote it, at this, wrote it this way. It's being offered to you. Will you share in it? You who hear the word, share in these good things. Receive them. Live them. And let them grow in your life. I'll close with it with the... The last four verses here, picking up at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. 
Well, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of God. Praise God for our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, who bears all our burdens and who walks with us throughout this life, who gives us His Spirit that we might have His life in us and who nourishes us by His Word. May you live by His Spirit and by His Spirit bear each other's burdens. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for your spirit in us. Thank you for Jesus Christ who loves us, who saves us from the sins that trapped us, who came to us with mercy and grace and gentleness to rescue us and restore us. And may we live by that same spirit. May your spirit live in us so that we might be like you, that we might be like him who saved us for his glory, for his honor, for the spreading of your kingdom. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.